If you want to make your favorite technical gizmo gang a call, Gizmo Sapiens. Hey, and welcome to Gizmo Sapiens one or two thirty one, not one thirty one. And we're going back in time. It's it's back to the future. No, uh, <clears throat> 231. And uh, welcome to 2024. This is our first episode of 2024. And uh, hopefully we'll, our goal again will be to do 12 episodes or more in the, in the year. Uh, but uh, this year I think is going to be particularly busy for, uh, for both Matt and I, uh, by the way. I'm Chris, and with me today is I, I'm Matt. And um, but we got some stuff going on, and and you know we're gonna try to deliver some interesting commentary on on tech and pop culture and other things as we see fit. So I want to start this off with with since we talk about space a lot because we're space cadets or space is big. It's really big. It's really big. Um, But there's a startup right now who is trying to... uh, It's kind of funny because I I look at it as as somebody who's actually a little bit forward thinking uh, because they're, they're trying to build gas stations in space to refuel satellites. So that we just don't have all this junk sitting up there as the fuel, you know, disappears from satellites. Um, I think it's a great idea. Um, and they've even thrown some numbers out there, like $20 million for on-orbit delivery of hydrazine, which is the most common satellite propellant out there. Um, I know they're working with the Air Force Research Labs, um, which is kind of interesting. In 2018, evidently, they launched two test beds to the the International Space Station that included interfaces, pumps, and plumbing. But the the and then in 2021, it launched a tanker uh, to do on orbit uh, refuelings. But you know, the question right now is is that we have almost 15,000 satellites up in human space, and none of them have a fuel port. <laughs> there's no filler neck. There's no interface on them they were closed systems so you know what are we going to do about this I, I, again i think it's an interesting idea i almost think it's a it, it's almost laughable you know you think about it because well, it's this, like this is a solution in search of a problem correct at the moment well i mean yeah. the problem does exist the but the problem is it's a solution that they haven't, you know, that doesn't really fix the current problem. It might fix the future problem. But, you know, it, it's kind of like satellites were built. If you if you equated a sa- the satellites that are up there today to a car, it would be a car with a no gas cap and filler neck. You know, so when your car ran out of gas, you just abandoned it on the side of the road and you got another car. Um, and so I can see why they're trying to solve this issue. Uh, and, and, you know, and having so many satellites in orbit is, is an issue in and of itself just in launching new space vehicles because that's – if something is no longer fueled, that means it's no longer under control. And so we can't predict how it's going to react in, in orbit or if it's going to deorbit or, you know, there, there's all kinds of things. But uh, 
you know, it, it it's it, it's humorous to me because it's so far out into the future. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I like that that we're thinking ahead. Don't get me wrong, but I'm sure I'm sure this is taxpayer money and not privately funded. Oh, that that's probably a, a sure bet. And, and, and I'm not convinced that it shouldn't be. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> let's be real, government solutions to problems we don't even know we have yet are typically not the most efficient nor productive. Yeah. No, I agree. Well, you know, the, the other issue is, that, you know, again, and why I think it's kind of humorous, is, uh, you know, other scientists who aren't, uh, aren't involved in this are, you know, commenting on it, you know, saying that it is a good idea, but it's going to require a paradigm shift in the way we do things from now on. Uh, because, you know, the other part of this that they, you know, as we go forward, we put a space tanker out there in 2021, is they want to build a orbiting um, uh, what do you want to call it? Refinery. Uh, so that we're not, you know, using a whole bunch of fuel to put other fuel into space. <laughs> you know, to refill these satellites, which you can't currently refill well um and that's my point is you can't currently refill these this vehicle you know and uh but you know there the uh, some of these guys some of them are astronautics professors some of them are economists and stuff and they're saying that you know if we make this paradigm shift it's gonna change it, it could potentially change uh how fast we hit that critical mass of getting you know, more platforms in space and manufacturing in space and, and all of that other stuff. But the, the last line of this article is, uh, the guy's name is Farber who, or Faber, who is the CEO of the startup. It says in 10 or 15 years, we'd like to be building refineries in orbit, processing material that is launched from the ground to the range of, uh, into a range of chemicals that people want to buy air and water for commercial space stations, three, 3d printer feedstock minerals to grow plants, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, the, the end goal isn't really to be a refueling company. The end goal is to be a bulk material supplier for manufacturing and housing complexes and, and all of that, that, you know, potentially you could have in low earth orbit. But again, I just don't see us accelerating that fast. You know, when you say 10 or 15 years, I'm thinking 50 or 60 years. I just. Well, and that's the problem. And, and that's because of government intervention. Frankly, look at the Artemis project. Yeah. So which which Artemis is officially the the SpaceX project because SpaceX did all the things that Artemis promised to do and can't do, um, which was Boeing. Uh, because they let it be government funded and there were $5 billion over budget and 15 years late. <clears throat> you know, 
so are we really going to get all these platforms in space? Because unfortunately, all the governments of the world want to legislate on that. Well, and that's the problem with paradigm shifts. Yeah. The, 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 the larger the group of people that you have to convince to shift the paradigm, the, the longer that's going to ultimately take. Unless it's such a pervasive problem that the governments of the world prioritize it as being something that needs to be fixed immediately. And how many spacefaring races uh, or countries do we actually have? Not that many. You're right. Absolutely. Well, you know, and it's also interesting. So <clears throat> NASA is obviously moving ahead with U.S. space stations um, after the International Space Station, but nobody can figure out what they want to do with the ISS once they're done with it. You know, are we going to sell it to a commercial entity to let them continue to use it? Are we going to deorbit it? Are we going to, I mean... Everything that I've heard suggests it's going to deorbit and burn up in the atmosphere, which to me is the biggest colossal waste of, of resources. I agree that, that, that we've ever done. I mean, this goes back to the space shuttle again. Uh, I we've had this conversation. I don't know if we've ever had this conversation in an episode. I know we've had it offline. It was idiotic to retire the space shuttle without having a replacement vehicle ready to go absolutely um, I, I, I totally I agree with always, you I will always say that you, you don't uh, you just don't retire a vehicle uh, without having the replacement ready to go and I get this ties into the Artemis thing too there was a shift in what we were wanting to do with the manned space program they wanted to go back to the moon as a way to go back to as as a way to, to launch towards Mars, which I get. Yeah, but you still have you still have the space station, and you still have major like space projects that need servicing, like the James Webb space telescope. telescope yeah, for instance, Hubble. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, although Hubble's done. But you get my point. No, I totally get you. Well, and it's not just that. I mean, there's other satellites and you had the ISS, which was in orbit, you know, and and yeah, and not. Well, what I think was idiotic about it is even while we had the space shuttle program, why there wasn't some other backup vehicle being developed. Like well within like, you know, in the mid 80s, why they weren't looking at, hey, you know, we should have some kind of. Vehicle that might be less expensive to launch. Nobody said what's next. Yeah. You know, and that's a failing on, on NASA's part. Well, it was not only a failing on NASA's part, but it was a failing on multiple parts of the government in, in determining that. And, and that was largely because, <clears throat> you know, from the late 70s, it, well, I can't say totally late 70s, but probably since the Challenger explosion, in the early 80s, uh, the federal government decided, U.S. federal government decided that space exploration wasn't worth the effort that we were putting into it, you know? And, and part of that was <clears throat> Challenger 
having the having the problems, which was a engineering fault that just never got f- fixed until Challenger happened with the space shuttle program. But also it was the failure of the Star Wars program. You know, it, all these promises were made and, and all this, but there, you know, and all this money was spent in research and development that we probably don't know what we got out of it. We probably did get some things out of that money, but it wasn't tangible to the American taxpayer. So it wasn't something popular that Congress and the Senate were going to promote to continue to get money. And it wasn't until when, when was, I don't even remember when the ISS was launched, <clears throat> but it, it really wasn't until the ISS was launched in, in the late nineties, early two thousands. That's if we only had something to look yes, this up. Exactly. Ninety-eight. Yeah, so late '90s. That's when I I kind of remember it being, <clears throat> you know, and until that happened, that we had started to put money back into the space program. You know, ta- tangible money, not notwithstanding that, you know, to manage the, I mean, because there's some things that NASA has done that are pretty amazing. The fact that the Voyager probes have lasted for so long and we've been getting real scientific data from that forever. Long after it's, well, in opportunity. Yeah. Is another perfect example of, uh, of NASA tech. That thing was only supposed to live like 90 days. Yep. You know, it went on for like six, seven, eight years. Uh, and Voyager's just amazing. I, they don't make them like that anymore. No. And, you know, you would think with all the advances in tech, we would be able to replicate that kind of performance. But I don't know that we could. I yeah. don't know that I have that level of confidence in, in that yeah. yeah well you know it, it kind of comes back to what was the the uh bruce willis asteroid collision movie uh live tyler and armageddon armageddon that's it so if you remember the scene in armageddon and they had they had gone to the russian space station to get fuel and other things and had to take the russian cosmonaut with him and they're they're shuttle's not starting when they're trying to leave the asteroid and the Russian gives up and goes, I'll go take care of it. And they all look at him like, well, this is American stuff. And he goes, American Russia, it's all made in China. And he starts (laughs) taking a wrench and racking it across the uh, power bars. And, uh, you know, that, that's my, I hate to say it, but you know, that very true, that that that's a very true comment. And that was made pretty early on. And, and so, you know, I think that's part of the reason we don't have faith in that stuff. No, again, you're, you're hence not the, wrong. Hence, hence the, the chair, chair that doesn't function. <laughs> uh, no, I, you're not wrong there. I, I mean, I, I think... I mean, people are... It, it's kind of like, yeah, do people buy off Amazon? Yes, because to some degree, that's the only... And the same thing. People shop at Target and, and Walmart and the dollar stores and stuff like Dollar Tree and Dollar General and all that. But where does 90% of all that crap come from? China. And everybody recognizes that it's crap. It's not meant to last any time at all. And people are wholly dissatisfied with buying things like that. Because when people do find 
it's really kind of funny when people do find quality items that are made in Germany or the United States or, or other places where quality is well known. Those companies cannot supply enough of what they're selling. And they even might be niche things too. But they're, they're always in well supply uh, uh, of customers. Well, any company can do uh, fast, cheap, or quality. Pick any two. And the, the, the problem is, is that the market will always fund all of those oh, All of those options, yes, I agree. Um, but, there, you know, it, it's funny, though, because there's fewer and fewer quality options. But when you, particularly when you're talking space, mm-hmm. uh, I'm finding it, uh, honestly, SpaceX has been amazing. Yeah. You know, if you go back uh, 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 well, 100 ev- episodes or so, I'm sure I was one of the guys that was like, SpaceX? Well, you know, it, and it is funny. So, you know, the the SpaceX mentality is the opposite of what has been preached for the last 80 years, which is test, 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 build a prototype, test, 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 test. Oh, our prototype fails. Uh, so now we got to go back to the drawing board. Test, 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 which just elongates that that uh, production cycle of getting to a quality product. And Elon Musk did the other thing, which is what Henry Ford and a lot of them did, which was iterate. You know, oh, it blew up. What kind of data did we get from that explosion? Oh, you know, let's let's tweak this and tweak this. And oh, the next one blew up, but did it blow up for the same reason? No, it blew up from this. So you know, and so all of a sudden, through through rapid iteration, they're getting somewhere, you know, a hundred x faster. Now, you could argue that there's a waste of resources and all of that, but time is a huge resource, and they're not wasting time, you know. And think about who came up with the first self landing rocket, something that that. I mean, scientists at NASA were saying is impossible. Yeah. And now, now you have kids on YouTube, you know, college students on YouTube building rockets that can land themselves, you know, yeah. and stuff. And, and they would never have done that if SpaceX had never, because the attitude would have been, well, you can't do that. Or even if they had done it with a model rocket, they, the attitude from the science and engineering community would have been, you can't, you, scale, that you up, can't yeah. scale that up. You know, which it, and they laugh at the at the attempt to try it. That's yes. the part that that, that, that infuriates me. Uh, it's such a failure of, of imagination. Correct. That has crippled NASA to the point where well, it's no longer a functioning agency. To a large degree, you're you're high, You're very right. You're very right. I mean, literally at this point, they're they're, and I don't even know how how effective they are at this but they're like space traffic control they are at this point and and, and actually they're that's the one thing nasa is really really good at um they you know even the folks from spacex i, I happen to work with nasa so i i interact with some of these folks sure. and and you 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 get the feedback that hey we're really impressed by the the space traffic control and the air traffic control around space operations and all of that. And NASA is really, really good at that. 
Um, so, you know, it's not like they don't have some expertise, but what they were touted for having expertise for is not really what they're good at. And that's because, you know, for, for so long, the military industrial complex has been six vendors, you know, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, uh, you know, it, you know, when we talk about ULA, which I laugh at because ULA was a joint venture by Boeing and Northrop Grumman, <clears throat> you know, as a big space group, and you know, and you have Martin Marietta and, and, you know, some of these other folks who came to being before World War II and, you know, really shown through World War II, but they haven't really done much since. Well, and, 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 and a lot of those companies have lost sight of the, the, the dream. Well, it's not just the dream. A lot of those companies got, and I'm probably going to say something offensive here, but I think it's appropriate. They, they got drunk sucking on the government tit. And, well, it, it, and so their, their processes went from being innovative to went going to exactly the way the government operated. I mean, essentially, they, <laughs> in some respects, they should just be considered uh, arms of the government. Look at the F-111 project. You know, Boeing, their commercial operations have done quite well despite the facts of the, of the 737 MAX. But, you know, look how good. But, again, Boeing is not an innovative company. The 747, the last one rolled off the assembly line in June of this year, uh, or of this year, of 2023. So they just, and, yes, there's some overlap, you know, the 777, which replaces 747, uh, that line, but that line was not fully operational until they shut down the 747. That airframe, even though there were updates made to those airframes, that same basic airframe is the same airframe since the mid-50s. Correct. You know? <laughs> and then we're, we're having these guys, hey, we need to go to the moon again. Build me a rocket. And it, it's really one, interesting. If, if you ever get the chance in Huntsville, Alabama... Um, which is where NASA Marshall sits on Redstone Arsenal. Um, the U.S. Space and Rocketry Center is there. It's a museum, and it's it's outside of the arsenal, so you, anybody can get to it. But you go in there, and uh, and it's a lot like the museum of of uh, the U.S. Air Force at Wright Patterson Air Force Base, which is also free. Um, well, it's free. U.S. Space and Rocketry Center is not. It has an admission. But it's interesting when you go in there because it's all space and rocketry, whereas uh, the U.S. Air Force Museum has a section for space and stuff. But what they don't show you at the U.S. Air Force Museum is, like they have displays and they show the first computers in the Apollo rockets, you know, and what they were capable of versus what your iPhone is capable of today or your Android phone. And... And how innovative it was when they helped develop, you know, the scientists and stuff developed all of that. Because those computers were far more portable than the, the you know, computers at the time. And they were doing navigation and everything. And then, you know, you also look at the movie. If you're, you, everybody who is interested in space should uh, watch the movie Hidden Figures. And it's, the movie is really about the 
computer department at Langley, uh, the NASA Langley site. And the computer department were people who were doing, they were so good at math that they were doing manual calculations in a very fast manner for for spaceflight. And a lot of the early spaceflight, the astronauts did not trust the early computers. They made the computer department calculate it all and then let the computer figure, uh, uh, you know, was the backup check. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, look how far we've come in that respect today, but the innovation in our space platforms has not been there. And it's not just us. I mean, Russia, Roscosmos is still flying the, cause we leased them for how many years, yeah. you know, between the shuttle program and, and SpaceX coming along. Uh, they're flying these same early rockets that, that Yuri Gagarin went into space on, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and, you know, and then if you get outside of the U.S. And, and Russia and their space programs, every other space program is, you know, decades later, and they're still flying similar stuff to what the U.S. and, you know, JSA and and even China, you know, what they're doing. <clears throat> um, or the ESA, you know, European Space Agency and all this. They're, none of them are flying yeah well they're all flying spacex at the moment and and to some lesser degree blue origin from jeff bezos you know he he has put some stuff in the air now his stuff is more traditional it's not reusable but you know it's still cool the fact that there's and that's the other thing there's competition in this space so competition drives innovation it absolutely does and that's something that's been missing in in, in this particular space, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to not be too punny, uh, for quite some time. Uh, I mean, if you can't if you can't get competition with other countries, you'd best have some competition amongst some companies within your country. Yes, and we haven't had that in a long, long time until SpaceX and and Blue Origin and. You know, the whole X Prize stuff. Yep. Yep. So let's move on a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> um, so I want to talk about some new tech that is rumored to come out in 2024. Uh, I have a list of five, but I actually have more in my head. Um, the one that's on this list is the Nintendo Switch 2, whatever they're going to call it, the Nintendo Switch Pro, the Nintendo. Um, I'm actually not all that excited about this. I, I think the Switch is cool, but I actually think the Steam Deck is cooler. Mm. Um, because uh, the the Switch is, in my mind, is cool only because of the Nintendo games that are exclusive to it. So if that game would run on the existing Switch, you know, with all the new features, I don't care about a new Switch. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's the game and, you know, and my, my, my youngest daughter who is an engineer, um, the only video games she will play are the Zelda games. And I mean, she plays them all the way through, <laughs> you know, and, uh, so that's why the switch is important, you know, in our, our family, because in order to get access to Zelda, the new Zelda games, you have to have a switch. Um, same thing with like Mario Kart and some of the Super Mario stuff. But 
as a gaming platform, I don't play any other games unless they're Nintendo exclusives. And that's only because you can play Nintendo exclusives only on the Switch. Uh, but the Steam Deck, on the other hand, I like the ha- the the uh, the ability to essentially take my PC Steam library and play it portably. You know, tell me more about that because this is this is stuff that I've been hearing about for a while, and I just haven't really delved into it too deeply. So I uh, I'll, I'll give a little history. I mean, I've been following the Steam Deck since before they released it. back in 2020 yeah um i had paid the five dollars to steam to you know reserve one uh i didn't end up buying one at the time and they refunded my five dollars which i thought was really cool because a lot of times they won't they won't refund a but it was also only five dollars yeah true and they had some production issues on the early ones and and you know it happened during covid and so it was hard to get them and all kinds of stuff and that's part of the reason i just said i'll wait um but you can buy refurb Steam Decks today for like 350 bucks. That still come with the, the warranty and everything that Steam Decks. Um, everything I've seen, I have not held one in my hand. They're not so prolific that, I mean, it's not a problem getting one today, but they're not so prolific that they are everywhere and stuff. But I've watched a lot of YouTube videos of people who um, have them and and, you know, and they love them. And, you know, just like the Switch, there's a dock. You can hook it to your TV. Uh, you can use external controllers with it. You don't have to use the the controllers that's built into the, the Steam Deck. But even the Steam Deck itself has fairly high-quality controllers. And they now have new controllers that you can swap in. And now that's the other thing is you can swap in parts. You know, you, you buy the lowest-end Steam Deck with that... Uh, has the smallest amount of storage, which is like 64 gigs, which isn't a lot. But you can use an SD card, and it sees that as your storage. Or you can swap out that the uh, M.2 SSD that's in it with a bigger one, up to like four four terabytes, and it's all user user accessible. If you're if you're comfortable enough working on a PC and upgrading your PC, then you're comfortable enough, you know, replacing parts, including uh, joysticks, because you know. One of the complaints that's been forever with Xbox controllers and particularly PS5 controllers in my experience, but even the Joy-Cons on the Switch and uh, is that you get controller drift, whereas the, as they wear over time, the sensors are not as accurate. And so <clears throat> some very smart engineering people, I don't know that they were engineers, but engineering people went back and um, they they've developed new uh, sensors for these that are, you can now replace these old drifted controller um, uh, joysticks with um, that use electromagnets for position. And, you know, the idea came out of the distributor in your car, um, but that's essentially what they're doing. and, And you can replace them. And again, you can replace it. You can change the screen if you want on the Steam Deck. So it's a totally different, it's a much more PC gamer oriented kind of uh, solution. But then again, they cream, they, you know, Steam took what they know how to do best and they created a Linux distro and using Proton and, and everything, they created Steam OS, which runs on this thing. And so you get, 
from an interface perspective, it's not like you're on a Windows computer that is a handheld that you then have to manipulate to get your Steam library open with the Windows Steam client. It, you know, it is a it's a gaming interface made to be manipulated with the the joysticks on the the device. It, it, and I mean, my intention in 2024 is to get my own Steam Deck. Uh, I did not get one last year, which I could have. But I had bought a new gaming PC or gaming laptop, and it was like, gaming lap. I, I have a gaming laptop. Do I need a Steam Deck? You know. And uh, I, I'm very impressed with the Steam Deck. It, you know, it, from from what I've seen. Now, again, I will reiterate: not held one in my hand. You know, I have not played any games on it. But there's enough reviews out there and reviewers out there who have saying it's a good experience that. I would probably say it's a pretty good experience. The price point, though, to me, still seems a little high. Uh, Hold on. Let me go to Steam. Yeah, store... I don't think that's a bad price point. I, you know, the well, three. The, what are you seeing directly from Steam? Because I'm seeing Amazon numbers, and I'm I'm not so impressed. the Steam Deck, which does not have the OLED display, which is one of the new upgrades they've added. Um, but it's a seven-inch diagonal display, uh, Wi-Fi five, forty-watt hour battery, so two to eight hours of gameplay, power supply, carrying case, and uh, it's three ninety-nine, and that's with a two hundred fifty-six gig. SSD, because again, it's we're now a couple years down the road. Two fifty sixes are like twenty bucks at Micro yeah. Center, you know. Yeah. And at the high end with the new OLED, and it has a one terabyte NVMe and Wi Fi six E. I mean, they they've it's an it's the newer model. It's got all the newer stuff in it. Um, it's six forty nine, and then five forty nine for the same thing with the f half the storage. Now that's new. So uh, yeah, well, it, it even well, let's let's stick with new for a minute because once you start talking refurbished, well, there there's still a whole so there's still thing. two other models available of the previous gen. Okay. And th this is one of you know with the price drop to three ninety nine for the two fifty six, they have the sixty four gig, which is what I was originally going to order, and I was just going to order because at the time you could buy. M.2 SSDs cheaper than they were selling them, um, you know, as an upgrade from Steam. But the the 64 gig, which is the same hardware as the 256 gig one, uh, is 349. So there's only a $50 difference to get four times the storage. And then if you want to double that storage, it's another $50 to get the 512, which was uh, was the high end. Now these are new units. I'm not looking at the refurbs from Steam. These are the new units that are out there. Um, and then this, the docking station, so you can hook it to your, to either external displays, wired networking, USB peripherals and power, or, you know, you hook it to your TV is another $79. Um, let me get down here. So I'm really looking at like, 
I don't know, like 500 bucks, right? Pretty much. I mean... Now, I will say this. Handhelds are not... You know, we like to play Sim on Steam, Steam a lot in games right. like Sim. I don't know that the Steam Deck is good for that. Because um, you're talking a 7-inch screen. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, I would... If I had one, I would You'd get buy a the dock station yeah. and I'd throw it on a projector and it'd be as big as I needed yeah. to be. But, you know, from a... Like, I like to play... We were talking about this. At, I I like to play uh, Jedi Survivor. Okay. You know, which is a first-person shooter-type game. Right. And that would be perfect for the Steam Deck. You know, your controls are here. Your screen is big enough, you know, because your, your character takes up the whole of the screen. Right. You know, um, I, you know, I, I think it's perfect for playing games like that. And, you know, you don't find games like, <laughs> when was the last time you found Civ for Xbox or PS5? Or <laughs> well, I will say that on the Facebook groups, I do still run across people who are still playing it on some of those platforms, but it is pretty rare. I will yeah. grant you that. Now, the certified refurbished Steam decks, so like the 64 gig is 279 and the 256 is 319 So there's a, there's, that that's significant. That's a $70 savings on a certified refurbished one uh, at the 256 level. Now, I will say I do like the idea of a certified refurbished. Yeah. If it's just like on Amazon as a refurbished, Deal. I don't know that I'd, I'd trust that as much. But if it's coming from Steam as a certified yeah. refurb, I, I would probably be a little more likely to to go that route. Right now, though, there's no certified refurbished units available. <laughs> Naturally. But, but that means it, it is just after Christmas. I have a feeling quite a few Steam decks were probably ordered for Christmas. I would think so. But I, I like the fact that it's a portable device. It doesn't run Windows, and, and that's what makes it quite a bit more efficient. Because Lenovo has their, they have a Legion model, and I've been looking at it. It's like 700 bucks. It's like 699 uh, but it runs Windows 11, you know, and it has an, I think it has like an 8-inch diagonal screen. Because my, my gaming laptop is an, a Lenovo Legion, so I, I like those. and uh, But I don't know that having a handheld version of my laptop is really what I want either. Well, and, and that was kind of my, that was kind of my point. I, I, not at for five, at 500 bucks. I'm going to go buy a cheap PC and connect it to this crappy monitor that I've, I do that every 10 years. So I'm due. Yeah. But, uh, if I were to be more interested in playing more games than that, then then maybe this is the right route. Well, I, I look at it this way. I like the fact, because we were talking over lunch, and I said, you know, 2023, I, you know, my up to 2023, my entire Steam library was the Civ games and all the expansions. And, you know, I really, the, some key games that I were really looking forward to came out, and so I started buying them in 2023. And, uh, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I, I'm torn because I do like having the, the gaming laptop and I'll hit, you know, and again, I don't need a dock to hook it to a bigger monitor or hook USB peripherals or anything to it. Um, but 
I don't take it with me because it weighs like a, it's a brick, man. It's, you know, it's got a 16 and a half, 17 inch screen. Well, and, 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 and back in the day, man, loading all this crap up and putting it in the car and taking it down to Cincinnati, you yeah. know, two hours away, or an hour away to go play with my buddies at a land party. party. Yeah. Uh, I would much rather take something like this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But, man, when's the last time I did that? Yeah, I know. I know. Although we, we did, I, I do want to make a shout out for poor product. So, uh, Tom, if you ever listen to our podcast, Matt and I are kind of pissed over the Star Trek, what is it, Infinity? Infinite. Infinite. That you, you highly recommended us to buy over uh, Christmas break. And... Uh, I mean, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in it, but the multiplayer uh, functionality is is zero, <laughs> pretty close to zero. I mean, I saw some guys trying it, but I, I there's no way of telling how successful they were. Tom and I were unsuccessful. That's that tells me all I need to know. Yeah. Now, will he eventually figure it out? I'm sure he will, but he's going to invest the time in that, not me. Yeah, but I mean, it should be like it should be, Civ. It should be when you log into Civ and Civ had its moments too. Yeah, but when day. Civ went but to now Steam, Civ has has gotten to the point where, yes, since they went to Steam and we all play on Steam, Steam yeah, they've knocked out a and lot. And this of is a game we bought on Steam. Correct. So it should work the same way. If they offer multiplayer, then they should be multiplayer. Well, and a lot of that I think comes down to the, the the software companies, the game software companies are still wanting to run their own stuff. You know, what was it? Blizzard used to like mm-hmm. to run Battle.net. Yeah. You know, they all still want to kind of do that. Well, in the age of Steam, those days are gone. Yeah. You know. Although I will say this, back in the day, Blizzard's Battle.net worked extremely well. Oh, it's so <laughs> it so did. Uh but it's Steam is every bit as stable as that. Oh, if not was. more so, it, it probably more so because the games that that are running on Steam are significantly yeah. bigger deals. Well, let's move on to the next thing. So, I know you'll just be in love with this, but Windows Twelve is supposed to come out in twenty twenty four. Whether or not they call it Windows Twelve, but I mean we're already starting to see some of the 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 crap related to this, like. That Microsoft added the AI button to their Microsoft keyboards, and I'm just like, why? You know, do I think AI does some some neat things? Yes, but for the end user, a lot of AI doesn't need to have a button. <laughs> it just needs to happen, you know, uh, because most of AI today is automation. <laughs> I guess you have the AI button. So, Chat GTP, please write me my my term paper on, you know, the metaphysics of Mesoamerican culture and modern uh, civilization. Please be general and give specific examples. <laughs> you know, and you laugh about that, but 
to most people, that's really what AI is, is, you know. Well, and, and truthfully, I don't understand why you need a button for that. I don't either. At worst, you need a, a microphone and just let it be voice activated like Alexa and... Yeah, and Siri and... and yep. And, and all the other... But, I mean, we've had AI in our lives, real AI. And again, I, the, the large part of it is automation, you know. Like your iPhone. It, now, what I do like about... The way Apple has done a lot of it is they have the secure enclave on your phone. And so it learns your habits. And so it starts to present your information to you the way you've been asking it to present information to you. Um, you know, like it'll give reminders like, hey, it's close to your bedtime because you've been going to bed and putting it in sleep mode at this time every night. You know, that kind of stuff. But I mean, Apple's been doing that for years and so have other so, you know, Samsung's had some AI features in their version of Android and and uh, and stuff for years, and people just don't realize that a lot of AI is is uh, is automation. And and the funny thing about it, it, you know, there's all these you see all these articles about AI. You know, AI it's it's going to be smarter than man and take over and all this. And I'm like, yeah, it could get there, not in our lifetimes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be a problem. I'm going to have to actually worry about. Exactly. I mean, I it, it, I know you you follow me on Facebook, so you know I this is a, a popular uh, thing with me. I love to say come. Yes, uh, kind of. Yeah, because that's what we're going to get out of AI, you know. But I, I in reality, it that's it's it's literally a joke to me. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, you know, this. Do I think AI is important? Yeah, but. I don't think we should be calling it AI. I just think we ought to be calling it automation because well, that's, that's 90% of what AI promises in the first place. I, I think a lot of it is the, 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 the sexiness of calling it AI versus automation. Yeah. Automation is an easily understood. Concept. Well, it's the same thing as the sexiness of calling it cloud versus co-locating. <laughs> It's all branding and marketing at this point. Yeah. Which surprises me not. No. So third on their list, I'm not, I mean, it's cool, but I, it's not like something I would put like, I'm just waiting. I'm going to, I'm going to get a new iPad because they're going to put an OLED screen on it. Yeah, whatever. The retina displays are so much better than most displays you can buy. Why do I care if they put an even better retina display made out of OLEDs on it? Um, I'm more interested in Apple's headset, which is coming out, which is the Apple Vision Pro. Um, and, you know, you got to look at it, too. This is their first iteration of this thing. It's really expensive. Then, kind of like the first iPhone, when they have it out there for a year and they get developers developing uh, applications and stuff and integrations for it. And then next year, they're going to offer the Apple vision and the Apple vision pro Two. you know, and, uh, the Apple vision is really the one that I'm interested in because that'll be the one that people, more people will use. And, but what I love about their Apple's not going for the whole virtual reality thing. Um, they have some virtual reality aspects, like one of the things they showed at WWDC with the Apple Vision Pro, which is an existing product. It's just not released to anybody, but you know, de uh, certain developer groups right now. 
um, and then internally in Apple, but was like from an entertainment perspective, I could, we could like what we do with steam and play games. We would play games, but you know, it would be an all encompassing, uh, display in front of us, you know, so you get more immersion. Or if I wanted to watch a show, I didn't necessarily need to get 85 inches, uh, uh, you know, display to watch a show on, I could put on the headset and I would get an even bigger display, you know, and, and then there's the collaboration stuff, like even with the entertainment thing. So like we play video games together, but we don't have to be in the same room, house, whatever, but we could watch shows together the same way and it would transmit, you know, and it's kind of the, some of the things that they've been adding to like, you know, share play and, and all this. So people can listen to music. A lot of it came out of COVID, right? you know, well, a lot of these things did. And, uh, you know, where people were watching shows together on zoom and, yeah. and things like that. And, you know, that's cool and all, but I'm more interested in some of the other collaborative things like, you know, and, and it's not like, it is a computer in and of itself, but you know, they were also, Hey, you use it with your laptop and have this big display. And so if you're manipulating data, you can really see it. You know, you can have huge, you know, tons of columns and rows or make it really big. So you can really see what you're doing, you know, to develop documents, build spreadsheet or, you know, all that stuff. Before we move on, I, I want to issue one caveat to the headset thing you and I wear glasses uh, to me if I'm going to put on a headset it can't be any more uh, clunky than, than than a pair of glasses I'm just I'm not really interested in that technology until it until it gets to that. Well, yeah, and that's one of the reasons why the Apple Vision Pro is so expensive right now. Yeah. Is when you go in, they're actually fitting you, and if you wear glasses, they're modifying the lenses so that it fits your prescription so you don't have to wear glasses. Unlike, because I have played with the MetaQuest. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple of nephews, and, he, and they have them, and, you know, we went through, and I, it was neat for about 20 minutes, and then it wasn't. But, you know, when I, I had to fit that, over my glasses and it was not necessarily comfortable well i'm saying even uh even i want i want to i want the device to be like this yeah and I unfortunately i think that's gonna have not gonna exist for quite a quite while, a while. And, and that's why i say i'm like i'm not really interested in it until until it gets there so i know that's that'll be something that'll be much further down the line for me. Yeah. What else uh, you got? Uh, well, they have uh, iPods or I, earpods. Uh, I mean, that's but, been done. I mean, well, they, it's just what they, I don't know why they they listed it as their. This is on Mashable, uh, so you know, I love earpods. I think they're probably the best headphones you can get. Um, they're not for everybody because like I have earpod pros and they're the only in-ear uh, ones that I can wear. Uh, and that's because I have to turn the noise canceling off and have transparency mode on. So it equalizes the pressure between your ear and the outside world. Cause if that, if I have noise canceling headphones on, I can barely stand it because it changes the ear pressure 
and that's even over the ear ones. Right. Uh, but the, the in-ear ones are even worse. But um, this is just an iteration. I mean, you're talking about uh, some of the pro features coming to the next generation of regular AirPods and then USB-C charging. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's an iteration. That We know that's coming because everybody's going to, and Apple started it going to USB-C. I mean, heck, my iPhone 15 and the iPhone 14 have USB-C charging, and my iPad Air has USB-C charging. The only thing, you're right, the, the, the only thing I don't have USB-C charging that I need a lightning cable for anymore is my AirPods and my uh, Apple trackpad and keyboard for my desktop, you know? And I know those will get there eventually. Will I buy them when they first come out? Probably not, not unless my old ones aren't working anymore. Correct. Now, the, the last one on this Mashable list, which I think is funny, is Samsung's first AI phone. Again, this goes back to, we're jumping on the bandwagon, but they're saying that the, uh, the S-series, the Galaxy S-series phone that they release usually in January or February of every year is now going to have some kind of AI stuff. And they don't even know what it is. It says, it's unclear what exactly this means, but it's worth noting that Juno Park, Samsung's director of global product planning, said at a post-Galaxy Unpacked roundtable event that the company is very deeply developing generative AI stuff. So maybe it'll be, I'll tell you, you want to impress me with generative AI? Have it be able to answer uh, spam phone calls and, and keep these guys on the hook. <laughs> I, I, I would I, w I would pay for that. I would too. <laughs> I, I would I would pay for that. They could have a button that says "fuck with a spammer." <laughs> I, I'd be down for that. So, but I mean, there's other things that I think are probably more important coming out this year. Um, I, I, you know, again, we talked about this at the last episode about. ARM chips, you know, ARM is probably the future, a, a good portion of the future of computing. And it's not just because all cell phones run on ARM chips, um, but because ARM chips have gotten a lot more powerful via Apple, uh, you know, Qualcomm, probably in this list should be Apple's fourth generation chip and Qualcomm's first generation laptop chips, you know, and I really should say second generation because they were using some of the old Snapdragon processors and some of the Microsoft Surface devices, the which I love what they called it, the Surface X, and then prior to that was the Surface Pro, and those were ARM devices, but those ran on cell phone processors, and frankly, they ran fairly well. You know, but I think Microsoft is it realizes that because even last year they put out a dev kit, an ARM device dev kit for Microsoft that used the Snapdragon processor. You know, I think they're making a bigger, trying to make a bigger push into getting their applications, not only their applications, but third-party applications ported to the ARM ecosystem so that that can take off. Because, I mean, if anything, even if it's not the most blazingly fast from the Windows PC side of hardware, if it's fast enough, but you get battery life that really lasts all day, uh, I think you're going to find that huge adoption, you know, because that's probably the biggest complaint with most, like, like I, and I, I will say this, I'm, I'm caveating this, that it is a gaming laptop, but it has, if I get two hours out of a fully charged battery, I'm like, woo. Yeah. And that's yeah. with it 
cranking, you know, throttling itself to get two hours of, you know, because when you plug it in, it's like, woo, it's like a different machine. Now, Apple doesn't throttle their devices, and I do get hours of battery life. You know, I can work all day and still have 30 or 40% at the end of the day to start the next day with. But, you know, I'm, I'm used to charging my devices overnight, even if they... They still have quite a bit of... Well, and that's... I think most people do that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so tell us what you think. Let us know. Uh, is there something we should add to this list? And so I, I want to... Let's see. We've talked for almost an hour. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. Let me go here and do something real quick. And then uh, let's talk about sci-fi for 2024. Okay. So Inverse put an article out about the 15 most exciting sci-fi shows. And I'm probably going to add to that, but some of them are not. We're probably done in 2023 because I'm currently watching them, you know, and I have the whole season. But uh, I don't know that they were wildly you know advertised and popular but um they start their list off with a disney product at number 15 which is echo i'm i almost asked you about this one earlier uh i'm hearing some mixed reviews on this one well it's a I mean, it's a Marvel thing. It's a Marvel I mean, thing. It's you're, it's you're a it's I'm a Disney thing. Mo- so. Most people kind of over it. I mean, I wasn't totally thrilled with the second season of Loki. It was entertaining. Yeah. But it wasn't as nearly as good as the first season. Uh, I, I got a lot of Doctor Who vibes out of it. You know, <laughs> yeah. hey, we're going back. We're doing it again. We're going back. We're doing it again. Well, you know, Back to the Future came out in 86. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that. Sophomore seasons of uh, of a lot of shows, you know this, it's, it's usually pretty horrible. Yeah. So more interesting is, and I don't usually watch this, my mom is a huge mystery detective show watcher. Okay. So I watch almost all of the British ones because if I'm with her, she has them on. Sure. But True Detective has a new season coming out called Night Country, and it stars Jodie Foster, of all people. Really? And... Um, and I guess the first season was critically acclaimed, um, but Night Country, it's supposed to, it's, it's set in Alaska, stars Jodie Foster, uh, and there's some kind of supernatural piece to the crime okay. stuff, so they're including that as, as uh, science fiction, and, and so well, to me... the same it, way X-Files was. It, I, exactly. I okay. I'm... I'm, I'm interested in this show I, I i'm drawn to it now that i've had that description of it um number 13 comes in with mr and mrs smith which is based upon the movie uh the brad pitt angelina oh, jolie movie uh this one stars danny glover or daniel glover or donald glover whatever his dumb name is from from uh community donald glover okay and uh maya erskine and they take the place of the couple, you know, that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie play. And, uh, it's, you know, assassinations and espionage and, and, uh, but with humor, um, 
So I might give that a shot. I would give it a shot. Uh, Netflix is bringing out um, a live action version of Avatar: The Last Airbender as a series, not not a movie like the M Night Shyamalan movie was, which was actually was a disaster. Um, I found this on the web. Thank you, Siri. She found something on the web, but uh. We'll see how that goes. I'll watch it because I loved the cartoon, and I loved the uh, the follow up cartoon Cora. Uh, that's probably a pass for me. Uh, you may convince me later to like give it a shot, but that one's that was a pass for me. Yeah, and then uh, number eleven is Three Body Problem. Now I'm seriously interested in this. Um, the Three Body Problem was the first major work by a Chinese science fiction author. Okay. Um, the books are kind of, it's a series of books, uh, and it's very science fiction-y. You know, three-body problem is a mathematical problem, and uh, that's supposed to be unsolvable. And, But it goes through, and, and it's weird because it's from a very Chinese perspective. So uh, what happens is, um, a Chinese astrophysicist kind of invites aliens to come. Okay. Both knowingly and unknowingly to come to Earth. And um, there's all kinds of, you know, they, they've tied in all kinds of things that are about world culture, but from a Chinese perspective. Um, you know, like online... Immersive MMORPGs, but as a way to communicate with other people. And so they end up communicating with aliens like this. And it's really interesting. And it's not, there's innovation and everything, but the aliens want to stop Earth from from developing, continuing to develop technology or continuing to understand science, really. They let them develop technology, but they make them stop where they... Uh, and that's towards the end. And I'm curious as to how this this is going to play out. I doubt it's going to make it past a season or two. Well, this because it's going to be very. It's a very cerebral. Well, no, that is it going to be in English or with or English. Chinese it's it's English. Those? It's English. I forget who's doing it, but um, I mean, it, it, Dave Benioff and DB Weiss are the one uh, doing this. You know, the guys who did Game of Thrones. Okay. But we'll see how it goes. Fallout. I'm actually... Uh, I'm... Looking forward to it, but my extent of my knowledge of Fallout is Fallout Shelter. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's a whole series of games. Right. Um, I think this was also during that same time period that Last of Us was being developed, and uh-huh. and I really enjoyed Last of Us. I thought it was well done. Um, I don't. I think this is going to be more tongue in cheek since the Fallout universe is tongue in cheek, which I kind of like. Which I kind of like too. Yeah. Um, but it it basically the series is a new story with new people. It's not based upon characters existing in the game, but it's based on the world of of Fallout, which works for me. Yeah. So you know. Because I don't have to play all those games to, to, to latch onto it. I, I will have gotten enough world immersion in that stupid 
shelter game. Yes, yes. And so they also on this inverse put the boys season four. Uh, I mean, I like the boys. Uh, I like it's irreverent. Uh, I'm, you know, the spinoff with the college kids. Gen Gen, was really good. It was in some respects, and in other respects, I was like, man, I, I just, it's not, you know, kind of in the. So the beginning I thought was really good, and the end, but the. The two or three episodes in the middle, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I, will, I will give you that. I could skip these, and it wouldn't have mattered how. Well, it, it, how many, how many of these these like ten episode streaming shows had we said? Well, we could really have edited that down to about a two two and a half hour movie and been done with it. Yes, this was no different. So, also on their list is Invincible, which is a cartoon about superheroes. I have not watched that. I watched the first season. It wasn't bad. It, it's kind of in the same vein as, as The Boys. Okay. And then, of course, House of Dragons season two. I actually thought House of Dragons sucked. I've, uh, I've not seen it. Boring. But then again, I didn't didn't watch Game of Thrones either. So Yeah, well, Game of Thrones, I, I've read, I had read all the books long before, multiple times, because the books are good. Yeah. But they're like War and Peace. There's five million characters. And, right. And, but I will say this. It'll never get finished because I don't think the author he has no he, he has no desire to finish it, it particularly yeah. since Benioff and them kind of gave yeah. an ending and he doesn't want to have to fight that yeah which by the way was a terrible ending yeah. but I, I've heard that but number six is Agatha the Darkhold Diaries which originally was called Agatha House of Harkness yeah and then became Ag- Agatha Coven of Chaos. <laughs> But you know, basically, this is the character from from Wandavision yeah. that Catherine Hahn played. Right. You know, Agatha Harkness. Yeah. Um, I don't know. the The only thing that sounds interesting about this is Aubrey Plaza and Patty Lapone are supposed to be in this. Really? Yes. And so that, to me, that might be worth watching just for that. Just for that. Yeah. No, I, I, I Wandavision was so horrible that. There was there, no spinoff of that was going to to fix it, <laughs> make that worth my time. Yeah, uh, and then might. you know, and this is another. There's a lot of superhero stuff, and and like I said, you know, everybody is. Look how bad. I'm, we're going to take a little deviation over here. So, Aquaman two earned twelve million dollars on the opening weekend. Worldwide. That's not a lot. No. <laughs> Considering that uh, the original Aquaman earned like $224 million on the opening weekend. People are suffering from superhero. Um, I, I, here's where I, fatigue. Will, I, will, I will slightly disagree with you. I don't necessarily think that it's they're, they're burned out of it. It's... They've gone through the main characters and burned out all those main characters, and now we're on to characters that nobody, nobody cares about. about. Yeah, and, and and if they would just stick with the characters that we care about, yeah, and mix these other guys in on the periphery. I mean, comic books have been doing this. That's for years. Yeah, but the comic book industry is in shambles at the moment. Well, you know. It, it, the, there too. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of new 
anything doing well. And the fact that Disney owns Marvel and DC is owned by Warner brothers is not helping things either. Uh, but the next show on the list, number five is another is the penguin. So we're getting another show about the penguin. Um, well, have we gotten a previous show about the penguin? Kind of. Um, I don't remember one. So Gotham. Joker. Sure. Gotham was a, really about the penguin. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. It was Commissioner Gordon and the yeah, penguin. When, I, I'll give you that one. And, and I thought it was done so well. Why would you do it again? Well, you know, you know, the problem is like how many times have we seen Spider-Man get rebooted? rebooted. But that's part of the problem too is superhero fatigue. Every, you know, we're on our fourth or fifth Spider-Man at this well, point and, I, I and nobody cares. And it's even such a I joke within the industry. They, they made a movie about it. I don't care about the origin story. Yeah. Just drop us into it. Yeah. You know, this, this Tom Holland version of, of Spider-Man, they didn't do the origin story. No. They and actually I and loved it. It worked. Yeah. Really well. Yeah. So the next one on the list is Rings of Power season two. Now that being said, I enjoyed the Rings of Power. Did you? Season one. But I am one of those weird Tolkien fans who has read all of the other books, not just The Hobbit and and yeah, the, no, the I, trilogy. I've read The Children of Huron and all of that. And the stories that this tells are those more obscure stories, which were really written as a background so that J.R.R. Tolkien, because he was a world builder, he but even for himself, he needed to build the world to get to the point where he's telling the main stories of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Correct. And a lot of people just aren't interested in this because it, well, it's, it's immaterial. Well, they already know the ending. So they don't, the beginning becomes immaterial. It's kind of like, do I need the origin story of Spider-Man again? Yeah, exactly. Well, and like, uh, could you do a sequel to Titanic? Can we do a prequel where they watch them build the ship and, oh, this is the point where they built the rudder too small, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You get my point. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, Probably one that I have been looking for, which is weird for a Disney show, but Skeleton Crew uh, is supposed to come out in 2024 on Disney+. Plus. John Watts, who who directed Spider-Man, is the one... This one is youth focused, but the main adult character in the show is is portrayed by Jude Law. So, I mean, there's some hope there that it's decent. Um, it's also uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is is part of this, so that could be problematic, just because Ron Howard screwed the second movie up pretty bad in the in the latest trilogy. The other one that's coming out on Disney Plus this year is also Star Wars by Di- is is the Acolyte, which in a, as far as stories go, I've wanted an old Republic Jedi story. Me too. I, I, I mean, those were some of my favorite when they were when IDW was producing the Star Wars comics, um, and they were doing Tales of the Old Republic and and all of that. Those were some of my favorite stories because it gave you a picture of what the Republic was like before the empire and that it wasn't so rosy. And, you know, there was still the reason that they should have been more concerned about the Sith is because the Sith were the real antagonists and, and everything. Um, 
and, and, that, and you know, it's kind of funny because at the end of the day, you know, we talk about this all the time about in Star Wars, were the rebels the bad guys or was the Empire the bad guys, you know, or, or, or vice versa? Was the rebels the good guys or was the Empire the good guys? You know, and I think it's all from perspective because the people who like rules and order and things, the Empire really is the good guys. I mean, were there a couple bad apples? Sure. There are in every empire. I mean, country. <laughs> government. Yeah, government. But, but you know, did, did they have a functioning government with a society that, for the most part, worked Function. well, functioned well? Yeah. Did the trains run on time? Yeah. There you go. But I, I'm kind of looking forward to this. Um, let me see. It's run by a, a lady named Leslie Hedlund, and it stars Amanda Sternberg as the Acolyte. So it'll be interesting to know. The last one I have no interest in because it was one of my least favorite comic book characters growing up. Uh, and that's Daredevil Born Again, which is a Disney Plus. I'm like, okay, so uh, I know the Daredevil show was. This one's tied to number fifteen, by yeah. the way, uh, because we we see some Daredevil and Echo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm actually interested in this one because uh, it's the same actor as the Netflix series, and I actually like the Netflix. See, I could Sad. not get into any of the Disney Netflix series. I I love them all. So I, and, and the the guy playing the Punisher, I think, is coming back too at some point. Hmm. Probably in this this one. I don't know. I will probably. I mean, I'll probably watch it, but it won't be one that I'll watch it when it airs. I'll end up watching it when, when, when there's not. nothing on and yeah. it's like super hot outside in the middle of summer, and I'll stand, you know, sit in a chair next to the air conditioner and. This will be another one of those shows that I'm going to watch episode to episode, and then the seasons the season will be over, and I'm going to have to go back and watch it all. Yeah, yeah. So I do want to add at least one other science fiction show that I. It, it's interesting. Well, there's a couple I really should add. So one, um, is uh, Percy Jackson. Yeah. Uh, I've we'll I've been about this when I launch I. I'm actually glad that you have liked it so far. Well, that, I, that's encouraging. I read the books, and you know, and when you read the books, I read them to my kids when they were little, yeah. and and then I continued to read them when they weren't interested anymore. Um, the the movie that they came out with a few years ago, one tried to jam too much of the story, like you, you know, the, a whole book into like ninety yeah, minutes, yeah, and did a very poor job of it. Having not read the books, I actually liked the movie and would have read the book. Had... But as the series goes, they've been really true to the books. Good. And I think the the kids playing the characters and then the people playing the gods have done a great job. And, I mean, and, and one of the things that's that's funny about it is... That that and it's because I have a son who's got ADHD and and uh, is autistic, a very high level autistic and things. And they talk about some of that in the first book, in Percy Jackson and the I forget what it's called, 
And uh, the Olympians, I think, is the first god. Yeah. But first book. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, all of the demigods, you know, half human, half god, they all have ADHD. And, and it's all because uh, they have to protect themselves. And it gives them hyperactive senses and and all this other stuff. And it, it was cool. And, and they use that throughout the story to identify... Uh, you know, all the evil creatures and monsters that can exist like Echidna and the, the people who are playing these in the show, they do such a good job and you'll recognize them because they're, they, you know, it's Disney. So they were able to get top notch actors to come and do some of this and you'll recognize the actors and you go, and and they, they do this whole thing where like these people will show up in the background and it'll look innocuous. But when you look at them, you go, that's a monster. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. Uh, to see it that way. Yeah. And, uh, but that's how the book was done too, you know? And, and so it's, so far it's been very true to the book and, but enjoyable. It's not stilted because they're trying to do every detail from the book, but it's also the story isn't half-assed because they didn't put enough of the story in from the book. And you can only do that in a series. I've been saying that, that's yeah. that thing for a long time, you know? I, I think, uh, I think move, the the book has to be mighty thin for a movie to to work. Yes, a, a series really is the best way to take those book properties that are like series. Yeah, that's the proper format for that. Yeah. Anything that's 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 got an extensive world building element to it is almost too much for a single movie. Yes, I agree with you. Um, moving on from from Percy, which uh, I, I like, I said I've been immensely enjoying, and we're about halfway through it at this point uh, on Disney Plus. So if you want to start, you can get like the and they're thirty minute episodes too, which is nice. I'm not, you know, I can watch it and I don't feel like I've wasted a ton of time. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so, you know, Apple TV Plus over the summer released Silo, which is based on some books by Hugh Howey, uh, who's an American science fiction author. Uh, it's a it's a science fiction apocalyptic story, which kind of seems to be where he, a lot of his series of books play in. Um, although his have some unique twists and takes, the Silo series has some unique twists and takes, which will be interesting to see how they do that on Apple TV+. But I guess FX picked up one of his single books on, called Beacon 23. Now, the TV show that they've created is in the Beacon 23 universe. It does not follow the book, which I'm fine with because it's a different story. They're not portraying, trying to portray the characters as being the characters in the book. Okay. You know, it just, it happens to take place on Beacon 23 in the same universe with, and, and, and there are nods to things that go on in the book. Um, but there's not, it's not the story from the book and, uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. I'm about halfway through it. It's, it, it's, uh, eight episodes at the moment, I guess for the first season. And it, I did notice that, uh, it was renewed for a second season. And that's the reason I actually went back to watch the first season was I didn't even know they had made it. And it goes, Hey, this got renewed for a second season. Wait, they made a book or a show on this book. <laughs> so but uh, it's been enjoyable. 
you know, and what's, what's really enjoyable about Beacon 23, and I'll give you a little background. So Beacon 23 is a really kind of a space lighthouse. It's a beacon, a manned beacon, but usually manned by a single individual out in the middle of the interstellar space lanes to warn of, uh, obstacles in for too faster than light ships. And, um, so there's not a lot of characters in the show. I mean, if you have three characters in an episode, that's a lot of people well, in this show. I, that means they must be real interesting. Yeah. Otherwise, that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so far, you know, again, it's not the story of the book. I highly encourage you to read the book, though, because... It gives you a lot of background about what's going on that they don't need to... Exp That's the other thing they did. They didn't feel the need that they needed to explain everything going on. So there's not a lot of this, I have these boring episodes in the middle of this because they're trying to give me backstory because they think I'm too stupid to figure it out. Or I'm. It, it's they needed a filler episode yeah. to uh, fill in something that I didn't need to know, you know, just because they felt like, well, we've got all this backstory, let's use it. Or the boy goes to the to the uh, spider lab and gets gets bit. Correct. Uh, Correct. So it's been a, a lot of fun to watch this show so far, and uh, it stars uh, Lena Headey, you know Cersei Lannister, John Connor's mom from the John Connor Chronicles. Uh, you said she was in Twenty Four as well. Twenty Four as well. Uh, and it's you know I she amazes me. As an actress, because like in John Chronicle, John Connor Chronicles, she had a flawless American accent, you know, and she has a British accent. And in this show, she has a little bit of a Scottish brogue. And I mean, it's it sounds so authentic that I thought for a minute I had to go and look her back up on IDMB to go. Was she British or was she Scottish? <laughs> you know, and uh, but the show has been a lot of fun so far and you know part of its mystery uh science fiction mystery and uh there's a little bit of levity and humor in it so it doesn't take itself completely seriously all the time but it's it, i would say it's true science fiction so well that's all i have you want to have anything to add to it uh well i, I mean i guess we we are expecting the end of diversity yeah season five of diversity should be out in 2024 uh, season three of, of Strange New Worlds, which was already supposed to air, but got caught in the whole sag after a, I guess they had filmed everything, but they hadn't gone back for reshoots when the strike I happened. Say, I just saw on Facebook that Anson Mount was heading back to Vancouver to do the reshoots. Yeah. So I would expect sometime by the end of the year. Well, it's funny because um, this is the first time in a long time we've had this like blank area with uh, for Star Trek and and um, <clears throat> there's been no news on when because I mean essentially we we still have three Star Trek series although Prodigy has moved to Netflix which I'm happy it found a home well, and I was going to mention that too because because they're actually Prodigy has already moved over there it's yeah. on Paramount Plus and it's on on Netflix, but you can now watch season one of Prodigy on Netflix. Uh, but season two will be a Netflix only thing. Uh, 
But we lower decks also the next season was already well well through most of production when the the strike the writers guild and then the the actors guild strikes uh so <clears throat> but there's been no word when that's done because discovery season five has been complete for a year <laughs> and we don't know when that's going to come out either uh the other other paramount properties is you know the last half of the lat final season of yellowstone will be out and then potentially the spinoff series that are replacing Yellowstone uh, four sixes or five sixes, whatever it's called, uh, is supposed to start. Uh, and then also the second season of uh, 1923, which is a spinoff of. Speaking of the Sheridan Taylor stuff. Um, is there going to be another one of the, oh, what's uh, I actually, the one with the, uh, well, because he got hurt, I don't know. But uh, Hawkeye. Um, oh. Because uh, that was a Sheridan Taylor show, too, that was really good. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, Mayor of Kingstown. Yeah, Mayor of Kingstown. I had heard that they were talking about, because he's back to being relatively healthy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. But the, the show that I've been excited about was Lawman Bass Reeves. So I, we started watching that. It's good. It is good. It is really good. Uh, I, I hope we get more of that. But what I thought that series was going to be was like each season was going to be a different Lawman. Oh. Uh, so I don't, I don't know, but. You can keep going with this, as far as I know. Yeah, I know it was. It's really good, and it, I, I actually, I mean, he's a likable character. He has honor, uh, and a moral center, which you don't find on a lot of characters. But I'll tell you, my favorite, so far, my favorite character in that show is Dennis Quaid's character, Cheryl, the the other deputy Mar- U.S. deputy marshal, who gets him to become a deputy marshal. Yeah, I think he's hilarious. Yes, he's funny. <laughs> If you didn't know this, and you probably wouldn't, Bass Reeves was an actual guy. Yes, I knew that. Yeah. He is the basis for the Lone, Lone Ranger. Ranger. Yeah. So the 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 Indian guy that's that's his Kimosabi is is, is Tonto. Tonto. I, I I will call him Tonto, no matter what his actual real name is, because uh, I can never remember Billy something or other. But uh, I I've enjoyed watching that. Yep. No, it's. It's good. So with that, we're going to leave you uh, again. Welcome. Ha- have a happy new year because it's still the first week of, of 2024. Indeed. And uh, we'll see you on the digital flip side. You've been listening to Gizmo Sapiens, a technology and entertainment podcast. You can reach us at our email address at gizmosapiens at gmail.com. That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week from the digital flip side.